I am really sad that I just was so unaware of uh, it, Neil Simon li- dying. I was literally like aware of it really... 15 minutes before, like, no, like a half an hour. Prior. It was announced this morning by his press agent, so. Yeah, I w- it was crazy to me, like, that John McCain's family announced he was ending treatment, and then, like, a day later. But, like, the thing is, I was like, he's, I, I knew when that was announced, I was like, in the next week, he's going to die. Like, that, I, I assumed, but I didn't ex- assume it would happen. It was, like, the day, it was honestly not to, like, compare him to David Bowie, but kind of felt like the whole David Bowie thing, where there, he, like, released the album, and you can kind of tell from the album, like, something's wrong, and then he died the next day. Or no, he died the day, he, it was released that day, and then he died later that day or something. It was so crazy, but I don't know, it's just, there are those people that even if you don't agree with them completely, like, they just, they, I mean, he was a hero. Like, I, I there's there's not any debating that. He was held captive for five I years. I think that while I don't agree with, um, I never agreed with John McCain on foreign policy. Well, that's not true. Before I was like 14, I was a nice little... Warhawk, but um, I, I at least when he talked about like hawkish policies and wanting to be really aggressive abroad, you at least listened because of what he'd been through and and who he was. Even if I don't didn't agree with the policy that he was proposing, there was there was deference due. I appreciate that he was always against like torture which I felt like a lot of people in his position would have used that as like, oh, well, I've well, been I, there, I, so. I sat through it. If I could take it. Um, yeah. You can too. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, but it's nice to see you it's again. It's nice to see you. I missed you. We haven't yeah. had a pod for August so long. Is a, listen, guys, August is a, is a dull month. I am currently in a cultural wasteland where my access to indie film is minimal to non-existent. Movie pass is imploding. All kinds of things have made it difficult. Yep. I canceled I canceled my movie pass. I'll be off movie pass at the end of this month. And so long live AMC. Interesting <laughs> chant. Yeah, I'll be transitioning to the AMC pass here soon. Yeah. September 1st, it begins, and then I'll post a bunch of stuff about uh, nice. AMC. But, I mean, there's two. We I went to a really nice theater this week that was an AMC theater, and I was just like, oh, well, I, this doesn't feel bad to me. I'm okay with no. this. No. They've got some dine-in ones that are supposed to be pretty dope. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm sure there are some in Texas. I mean, there's just everything here. Like, people really like to go see movies here. More movie theaters than I've ever experienced. I grew up in a town where we had two theaters that played regular films and we had like one indie theater and one f- like wildlife yeah. film theater such a university well, town shit <laughs> it's, it's interesting to see how stuff's changing i was listening to a podcast and it was um john august screenwriter and this gal who works for the blacklist as like their community director she's in charge of all their social media stuff and she was proposing because they were talking about the disappearance of the video store and how it's really hard to find certain films that are out of print and not on streaming and not available for purchase from like Amazon or iTunes. The rights are tied up somewhere. It would cost too much to relicense the music now. And what for whatever reason, they're just unavailable. And the physical prints in video stores really were missing that now. 
But she was talking about how MoviePass has been a really great thing for the industry and how she wants to see an indie pass where places like the Nighthawk and all those other little one-off theater places could band together and be a part of a network and be like, pay $25 and you can see three movies a week at any of our locations that are part of IndiePass. I like that. That's very cool because there, I think there are theaters like that in yeah. most towns because there's always going to be a market for that. There's always going to be people that, there's always going to be people like my mom where, you know, in the 90s, she would have much preferred to see like eight foreign films than one blockbuster. Yeah. Actually, both my parents. God, I don't know how I turned into a person who like likes mainstream film. Maybe because film. You, you came from, yeah, I mean, my parents don't like mainstream film, so I like mainstream film, right? Yeah, there you go. I mean, like, we're cool. Yeah, most of most of our lives is just a middle finger to how our parents tried to raise us, right? <laughs> For sure. It was funny. I was I had a, a really hipster moment the other day where I was talking to the guy who sits next to me at movies and I was like, just so you know, we were planning on voting for Beto O'Rourke before everyone else had heard about him. <laughs> because like he's he's Blown blowing up. up. Mm-hmm. Like Ellen DeGeneres wants to talk to him. So but I just think it's funny that everyone's like, oh man, I wish I was in Texas so I could vote for him. And I was like, hey guys, you know how y'all made fun of me for uh Moving to Texas, well, I get to vote for someone you all want to vote for right now. Who made fun of you for moving to Texas? Say their names oh. and I will block them out with the typewriter noise. A lot of it, them. Dicks. I basically think of any person I knew in Seattle, pretty much. Fucking Seattle liberals in your little bubble. Yep. Like, yes, he's better than Ted Cruz, but he has a lot of really good thoughts on things. Like, that's the thing is I'm like, I'm not like pro him for being a Democrat. I'm pro him for like being a human being who has good ideas. I was going to say, actually... most most people with a pulse would be better than Ted Cruz, but. It's very true. But like, I mean, if you listen to him talk, like he just, he's a great orator. Like he, but he is incredibly good at just knowing, um respecting the people who don't he doesn't agree with while still maintaining his own beliefs but not alienating other people it's not like you me us them it's very much like democracy and the country we're built on is this idea that two people with opposing points of view can agree that they disagree but also agree that being able to be in the same room and disagree isn't a uniquely american well, not a uniquely American, but a, a very American thing. It was what we were built, uh, we built our country on, is this idea of listening to every side. And it's kind of been lost a little bit. Yeah, and I think that if you watch videos from, like, parliaments around the world, there's booing and heckling and paper airplanes being thrown and stuff. And that's not an exaggeration. It happens. People boo in parliaments. And... I'm specifically thinking of Australia and England. Um, and there may be some jeers, but for the most part, there's not a lot of booing in uh, in the Senate chamber. I mean, I worry that that's where we're going. Oh, 100% though. that's where we're and going. And that is my fear. Yeah. And so that's why I support politicians like that. Very rarely will I get on my like political soapbox uh, publicly, but I am saying like I am getting a Texas driver's license specifically so I can vote for him. That sounds like voter fraud to me. <laughs> well, 
I've lived here for a year. I can do it. Hooray! <laughs> yeah, I actually just celebrated my one-year anniversary in Texas. That's amazing. I, that I survived and didn't melt. Yeah. I mean, I thought um, hurricane was more likely. That was my that was my pick in the pool as to ah. Texas disaster that will destroy it air. I had hurricane. Yeah, heat wave for me. Mm-hmm. Austin had picked, uh, you know, altercation with a redneck that goes south. And Clark said, carried away by an armadillo. <laughs> yeah, but his that, w- that one turned into a, a really weird romance novel, so I don't know. It was very weird, yeah. Very, very weird. Remember that, like, brief stint of time where all of us were on uh, Pokemon Go? And, like, our our group chat was just us sending photos of the Pokemon that appeared. Yeah, that would have been about two years ago. Yeah. Oh, God. That was, like, right when we started. But I remember, like, sending a photo because, like, I was in, I was getting into my car and there was randomly a Pokemon in my car. And I just was like, this dick. And then everyone realized how much it drained your battery and, like, shut oh, off yeah. the, v- well, the like, uh, aug- augmented reality setting. It was like, oh, that's kind of dumb, actually. Yeah. No, I, I was not. I think I stayed on it for, like, two weeks. But I do remember one night after podcasting, Maya and I wandered around her neighborhood because there were there were some good Pokemon, nice. and she totally just supported me as I as I went. Yeah, she's that's friendship. That is friendship. You know, I would I would call it a, a an original friendship. Mm, yes, uh, that we just celebrated our four year anniversary what? roughly a day before your four year anniversary with your wife. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm not saying one is more important than the other, but I'm They're saying... They're both a lifelong partnership kind of thing. Exactly. So you know what I haven't been doing much of, Dan? What's that, Adair? Writing. <laughs> OMG, me too. Oh my God, this writing podcast. It's like we've been in a constant state of transition and summer activities and... Trials and tribulation. And doldrums and depression and disease and death and famine and pestilence and whatever the other writer is. War. War. There was war. Yes, exactly. Um, but I mean, we're just, we're experiencing our life. Mm-hmm. We are, we are experiencing the highs and the lows. And I mean, as the late and great Neil Simon once said, if you can go through life without experiencing pain, you probably haven't been born yet. So, I mean, really, we're just, we're collecting our factoids before we write the great American novel. Word. Or to quote a less amazing writer, but still, I think, the voice of a generation, as Jimmy Shive Overly once said, it's all writing. Uh, you're the worst. It's such a great show. It is. I'm, you've actually said that on this pod before, and I, it actually led me to restart the show the first season's a little rough where you're like i don't know if i want to spend time with these monsters <laughs> but then you're like you know i relate to these monsters a little bit oh you're all awful yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty great i like the uh the progression and evolution of the characters but the ones that you think are not gonna make it end up being slightly more functional yeah it's uh it's well-structured that way. I've enjoyed the journey, and I'm looking forward to the final season. Yeah, the, the end of the last season was bizarre, but interesting. 
Mm-hmm. Truly. I, I think this this might have been the best season because of the fact that there was just so much going on. Yeah. And a lot of it being them apart, mm-hmm. which I think made for an interesting story. Yeah. I like the risks that especially FX, but a lot of cable networks will allow creators to take because they realize that their audience isn't stupid and can follow multiple threads and be inundated with a lot of different information and we'll put it together. We'll be fine. It's okay. I, I'm not fine and I'm not okay, but it's it, it inspires me a little bit. It inspires me that like a lot of things can be created and they might not be mainstream successful, but they they find an audience. There's room. There really is room. We haven't hit market saturation yet, um, which is shocking considering how much TV is being made. But there's also less film being made, so that kind of balances out. But, you know, if you're like me, then all you do is listen to podcasts. That's it. I mean, that's, there you go. That's all um, I consume media-wise. So I think I've forgotten how to read. Oh, yeah, Definitely. I'm actually, I think, at 83 books this year. That's that's not possible. Look at my Goodreads account, man. Look at my Goodreads account. Good lie. <laughs> you can't lie. On Goodreads? They make you take a test. Oh, um, really? <laughs> you can't, so, Dan, you just came from a creative retreat. Want to talk to me about that? I'm very sad I didn't get to go. I was in Montana briefly. Did not see you while I was there, but did spend some nice time with your sister. Had a drink with your sister. That was lovely. But she's chill. I like yeah, that one. She, she, yeah, she is chill. I, I'm a fan of her. But how was that? T- uh, tell me about that. Because you got to hang out with a lot of the Secret Weapon family too. I did. Um, so we didn't get to be there right away with everyone. We had to come late. And then um, there was uh, really shitty, terrible weather most of the time. So Weather or air pollution? <laughs> well, the first day, it just torrentially downpoured. And the gas lamps, because there's no power in the cabin, were not... Um, not something you could really read by without hurting your eyes. Mm-hmm. So we couldn't read. Uh, there's no real power. Um, not real power. There's no power. Um, couldn't read. Everybody just kind of sat around and we played cards eventually. Um, and then the next day, the air quality was really terrible. Um, and we got a little a little bit done. But it was. it ended up being more just enjoying the company of other people than like you know some paint like some painting happened some writing happened um some pictures were taken but it was not i think on the scale or scope that we were hoping for Mm -hmm. um there was just some, some planning things and i think some expectation things that weren't uh clearly defined but we learned a lot and we had a really nice time together and we played obnoxiously drunken secret Hitler. And that was really, really fun. I have no idea what that is, but secret it Hitler? sounds wonderful. Oh my God, Adair, you've got to play secret Hitler. It's from the Cards Against Humanity people. And okay. it's, you need, uh, I think it's a minimum of five people to play, but it is fantastic. It's so much damn fun. That sounds cool. I'll explain it to you more when we're 
not recording, but it's my recommendation to you for the week. Is <laughs> Secret Hitler. Secret right. Hitler. It's you have two teams. You've got the classically liberal, you've got the the liberal party, and then you've got the fascists, but you don't know who the fascists are. So it's kind of like playing mafia, but you're passing policies and there's a chancellor and a president and that rotates and you have to vote uh, to affirm a government. Um, and if you don't affirm three governments in a row, then just the next policy card gets gets passed off the top of the deck, whether it's fascist or liberal, it doesn't matter. And if you pass five liberal policies, the liberals win. But if you pass five, six fascist policies, then Hitler takes over. So Ooh. one character is so it's like secretly man, uh, man in the high castle for real. Yeah, one character, one per player is secretly Hitler. They are Hitler, and okay. if you pass a few fascist policies, then the president, which the president rotates, has the opportunity to assassinate anyone that he wants. Oh, okay. Once who is per Hitler? Round. Um, you don't know. It's secret. No, but in your game, who was Hitler? Oh, we had lots of different Hitlers. I was Hitler twice. Cameron was Hitler the one time the fascists won. Amanda I bet was Hitler. A real good Hitler. Uh, I wasn't a good Hitler. I was a good fascist. Um, but the liberal team has incentives to pass fascist policies because if you kill Hitler, the game is over. So you're trying to deduce based on what people are passing and how they're behaving and what they're doing who's a fascist. Mm. So it's really about the nature of power, and it's a really fucking good game. It's like right up my alley. One of those, one of those things that feels like it was designed for me. I'm I'm very intrigued by that. Um, my my recommendation to you is to see Black Klansman. There we go. Which kind of has a has some connection there you go yeah so did you feel like you were able to write a bit more when you were out in the world of no no expectations or i think i'm finding that i am less a hemingway and more a, a stephen king i don't do so well going out in nature and then like making myself right it's like no if i'm in nature i just want to be in nature like i wanted to go on hikes i wanted to go swimming i didn't want to just sit on the porch and look out at it all and write i mean maybe if we'd been there for a couple of weeks that would have settled yeah. in but i i don't know how much i want to sacrifice the experience of communing with nature to Right. It's more like uh, that for me, it was more of an evening activity of like, I want to spend all day in nature and then maybe write a little at night. Um, but I think I have done my best work and my most work when I earmark time of my day during my regular work schedule and whatever else is going on. It's like today from 10 to 1130, I'm going to write X and I'm just going to work on that. Period. Mm -hmm. um, that has a lot. When I stick to that sort of structure, or when I say, hey, when I'm on the train, I'm going to be writing, that's when I could write blog posts, write poems, write a full length play, and it wasn't a big deal. I wrote my TV scripts this spring by just making myself sit the fuck down and do it. I don't do as well when I'm removed from the pressure of daily life, 
when there's nothing going on, I then nothing's going on. It's the same reason last fall I was on Flathead Lake for months and I didn't get anything done. Because, I mean, you're in this beautiful setting. Yeah, I just sat around and enjoyed myself. And that's no, totally great, that. but it it's it's a passion. It's part of me. It's something I really like, but it's also a job in my mind. It's like it's a it's a craft and you gotta sit down and do the damn thing. And yeah. being ethereal and out in wilderness and waiting for the muse and all that kind of shit. I don't get anything done. I just have to sit down and slowly chip away at my armor until something falls out that's acceptable. And then I write the next word. <laughs> oh, well put, well put. Right? It's, um, no, I had a lot ruminating and uh, the poem I sent you for today, I wrote it last night after we got back from all of this. More of a reflection piece then, than yeah. in the act of. But also I was back in like, oh, this is where I sit when I write. Yeah. You're a structured writer. Yeah, I think having the schedule is great. I definitely think this summer has not been very scheduled for me uh, with moving and traveling and all of that. So that's the, I think the concern is just being able to give myself that time. I think I'm similar. I think often I can write in nature, but not for long periods of time. Mm -hmm. I think uh, like half an hour here, half an hour there. But yeah, I think developing a time that I'm going to write but that's just not been the summer and so I think you and I are both kind of gonna have to dust off the cobwebs this fall yeah and fall has always been my favorite time to write um it's my favorite season um as far as creative stuff goes and maybe it has to do with the school year or maybe it has to do with just the weather changing who fucking knows but I and probably tv coming back like fall TV, that's probably that's probably what it is. It was funny because it feels everyone it seems like is ready for fall, and so it feels like it's fall even though it's still August. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like here, it's gonna feel like summer for a few more weeks. Well, and according to the to Noah, um, it's gonna be a really warm fall everywhere. Well, everywhere that matters, so like America, but <laughs> I mean. Yes, it will be it's very warm. It's called Noah, not Wawa. It's the national, not the world. Yeah. So, I mean, it's probably going to, it's not going to really feel like fall. But I think for me, I felt like, I keep thinking like, oh yeah, has TV started yet? Like, has the show started yet? And then I'm like, no, it's August. Like, wh why is that where my brain is? I don't know, man. I don't know. But it, know, it, it feels like it's the right time for stuff to Yeah. Start I think returning. once the trips are done or, like, the obligations are done, then you're like, oh, yeah, like, the schedule's starting again. Like Summer this is... fun is exhausting. <laughs> it is. I, I have to say, I think I like summer experiences a bit more in Seattle because the temperature is a little bit more moderate, but mm. also there's just so many water sports. But it also feels like the city lets loose for a little bit. Everyone kind of goes inside during the wet months. Whereas people are pretty much always outside here. Yeah. Like there's not like really an off month. There's going to be like 70 degree days like every month pretty much. I don't think I experienced like a strictly cold month. Mm -hmm. So 
It's cooling down a little bit, but it's still in the 90s, so, uh, you know, Ooh. melting a little bit. Of course. Well, and uh, taking this retreat was really enriching just to be around other people and talk about what they're doing, even if we didn't do a whole lot, just to talk to other people about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I just <laughs> need to be continually reminded that regardless of discipline, having people in your life who are pursuing creative things, whether it's a hobby or a passion project or it is like their lifeblood, it's what they want to be, um, it's nourishing. It's really nourishing. Yeah, it's like don't compare yourself, but let the fact that you have these people hold you a bit more accountable to your own creative passions. Well, even more than accountability, I, I get a lot of just inspiration. Because, um, like, yeah. y- you um, and Austin are, like, creative partners that hold me accountable. Mm-hmm. But as far as, like, Cameron or uh, Amanda or my wife, it's less an accountability thing and more just like, oh, my God, you're doing that. That's so great. I remember the things that I'm working on. This is what I want to do. That's right. We're all doing stuff. We're all a bunch of crazy youngish kids doing stuff. No, I love that though. I feel very similar about the guy who sits next to me at movies where he has a very different creative impulse, but watching what he does is very inspiring to me. Sometimes I feel really bad about what I haven't accomplished because he is a person that like very much can just be like, Yeah, I'm busting this out and this is done. Like and he has this visual example of what he wanted to create and that's not always with writing what you get sometimes it's just this really long process and i do and this is not to undersell what he does like i think it is a longer process but he has like a he has an example of what he's created whereas sometimes you just have these like pages and they may not make sense Mm -hmm. or they may be like a small part of a bigger thing so so yeah yeah it's just different but did have a nice meeting with a, a comic book publisher um, yeah. who told Tell me, me about that. Um, well, he read my pitches um, and of the two, he really liked one. Um, so that was good. And then told me that I was overwriting. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? He's like, don't ever just give a publisher a full script again. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. He goes, the script was really good. But most publishers, because there is no standard script format in comic books, will want you to write a specific way. And so he gave me all this advice on how to format a pitch to make it really easy for people to say yes to. He's like, two pages. That's all you're going to give me or anyone else. Because then, if I don't want to do it, I can pass it on to my friend over at Wildstorm or my friend over at Vertigo or my friend over here and be like, hey... This doesn't work for us, but I think it's interesting. You should take a look. It's only two pages. Because <laughs> then they can they can read it real quickly. He's like, make it really easy for people to say yes. Make it really easy for them to say, yeah, show me some more. What do you what else you got? Let's talk about this. Um, but it was it was really good advice. It was a good meeting. Um, I feel like I can retool the one pitch that I gave him and uh, throw in another one that I do from scratch this way. But um yeah. Anyways, so that was nice. It was not like, this is horseshit. 
and then he and then he offered to introduce me to a literary agent, and I was like, I don't I don't really want to do that right now, but thank you. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. You're living it up. Apparently, just on the cusp, man. Just on the cusp. Exactly. Sorry, my dog passed out behind me again, and it was just really cute. Well, I know you don't have very many pictures of your dog, so. Hey, fuck you, man. You mean my child? <laughs> Are you telling me that I, I need to limit the photos of my firstborn child? Who's the baby? Okay, you've, this got weird. You've watched Elder Millennial, right? Uh, this is, that's the... Uh, the new Eliza oh, stand-up special? Oh, yeah. No, I definitely did, but I was definitely... In college? Yeah. <laughs> Watch it not in college. Watch it as a post-grad. It's, uh, I've watched it three times and I never do that with stand-up specials. I enjoyed her whole thing about, uh, getting engaged. The <laughs> ring, it mocks us. <laughs> yeah. I like how she basically makes it sound like she's an old crone. Mm-hmm. Medieval times. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, well, that's very exciting though. It feels like that was a really positive, I mean, though it wasn't, it exactly wasn't. He has a contract. We'll fly you to Hollywood. <laughs> well, who talks like that? Honestly, I do. Imaginary publisher guy. <laughs> All right. He he needs a name. He needs a story. You need to bring him back. It's just a walk-on role. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I know the week wasn't exactly as you had planned it, but it sounds like it was. It was very successful. Um, yeah. in its own way, which is great. And I think that's that's important to not like have it be like, well, this is this is what's gonna make this week be the week that I become a real writer, or the week that I'm going to feel like I'm accomplished in this thing. I think it's just allowing it to evolve in its own pace and uh, taking from each experience what you what you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was it was a it was a pretty good week, all all things considered. Um listen to all things considered no i've never listened to all things considered and i never will a fascinating insight into your life never <laughs> i'm not i'm not telling you you need to never what works for, what works for some of us doesn't work for others that's life no i just uh i can i'm i'm not a listener like you i just can't i can't support it. <laughs> uh. <sighs> I think this is the time for you to uh, to let me be a listener as you read a poem. All right. It has been weeks since I have written a poem, full disclosure. Um, this one will be slightly rewritten for our blog, um, but I decided to kind of get back to my roots with some of the stuff that really just jives with me on a poetic level that I can't really do anything with yet in a novel or a script or anything like that. So this is where these kinds of feelings and imagery live for me right now. So this poem is called Kohelet. A king in crown and deed remarked upon imagined wisdom. For everything, there is a season and a season and a season. Your fruit was seed. Soon it will be brandy. And after vinegar, it will be ash in your throat. Ziggurats were stone. Stone was sand. And sand was forgotten. 
And why are these so ordained? What sect has hooded nature into orders? Bonds split by man may rip through the earth in fire, but unmolested no mating of matter matters. Half-life must always decay. Lashes and ventricles on an altar of floundering faith. War crimes as righteous propaganda, recorded as covenant, yet this isn't even intermission for this carousel of chaos. Man's life on the earth is toil, and riches, greatness, wisdom, and love may adorn his grave. But for whom? For his fool son? For his wise daughter? Remembrance does not soothe rigor mortis. If it can be, it will be again. If it was lost, it will soon have company. Should you dodge boils? Should you keep your fast? Should you be wiser than I? Remember that sun and tide, earth and hide, nothing can weather without wither. Not this season or any hence. Drink, for all is vanity. Eat, for all is folly. Be, for wisdom is no antidote for absurdity. Kohelet spoke, and none will remember it out of season. How I've missed your poetry voice. Oh, stop it. <laughs> I missed it. Well, you have a certain way you you speak in your poetry. I feel like it's very episodic. Like I, I, it doesn't, it feels out, out of our time. And I think that's, I don't think that's actually necessarily how you write your comic book scripts or your fiction or your nonfiction, like your essays and your blogging, but you, you have a unique voice for each thing. And I love that. I feel like it'd be really nice for me to feel like I had different voices for each thing, but it kind of feels like it's all sort of of a piece. Mm -hmm. So I like reading yours because it's it's you, but it's a different side of you that I enjoy. And you had some really good lines. I was following along so I could highlight them. Uh, but um, one of them was the – I love the word ziggurat. So the fact that you used it was great. You you do use great verbs and nouns that I, I was like, I forgot about that word. <laughs> I love archaean language. It's just I know. Fun. I mean, and that's the thing is that's how it feels is a lot of it feels like the Epic of Gilgamesh where I'm just, I'm experiencing it all. I'm like, and then what did Enkidu do? Uh, <laughs> he was made of clay. Uh, <laughs> so the ziggurats were stone, stone was sand and sand was forgotten. It almost sounded like something I would write, but not, I would not have done as well. Uh, and so I love the progression because it, I, I mean, I think it does a great way of showing time without it feeling like it took a lot of time. So that was one of my favorite lines. The, um, oh gosh, where was the other one? Headed for time, headed for time. Uh, oh, the carousel of chaos. I loved that. You know, I love a good alliteration. And I know you love a good carousel. I do love a good carousel. Worked at one for five years. Uh, and the idea of the fool son and the wise daughter. 
I feel like you, in general, when it comes to father-children relationships, have a, an ongoing theme of father and son being a troubled dynamic, uh, perhaps a bit from your own experience. And I, I do love how that manifests itself in different things, and I definitely I hear you in that. Uh, the the uh, the remembrance does not soothe rigor mortis. It's another kind of alliterative thing, but it's it's such a powerful image. And then ah, remember the sun and tide, earth and hide. Nothing can weather without wither. Not this season or any hence. Like that's just such a beautiful line. Thank you. I I mean in general with you. I uh, I take about five lines from it, and I'm just like, I wish I wrote that line. Because it is, it's something I couldn't have manifested. And yes, I know all these words, but you, it's still, it's a, sorry, she's scratching, I'm trying to, maybe in a second? Thanks. Uh, it's one of those things where it's still you, but it's just this different, how you the verbiage you use is just so elegant and i wish i could manifest such elegant phrases in my poetry but yeah it's like one of those things though when sometimes we'll post a poem and we'll just be like god damn it you for for stealing that line or taking that line that's awesome or why didn't i think of that and i mean it's 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 a healthy it's a healthy rivalry it's our it's our greatest compliment to each other is like i hate you for writing that yeah. And the thing is, what I love about our poetry is we could not be two different poets using the same line. And I think it's a beautiful thing about this blog is how different we create um, these pieces, how differently we create these pieces. That's what I wanted to say. Mm. But that they both sound good. They both make sense. They're both poems, but they are completely different. And it doesn't feel like we're reading the same poem twice. Yeah. And a bit of it is from our own experience. And I've just, I've missed your poetry. I really have. I, I haven't really missed my own, but I've missed yours. And I miss your poetry voice. And I miss, like, I mean, you do these beautiful, like, epic poems. Well, thank you. It's very, it felt really cathartic and easy. It just came out. And it was one of those things where I was, um, so there's this podcast um, called, the Bible for normal people that um, is like a deep dive into historical context and translation and um, what things scholars think has uh, bearing as historical record in the Bible and what is like clearly a poem. Like no, no serious biblical scholar thinks that the Genesis story is a literal account of how the universe was made it is a what it's a poem that was created during the babylonian exile by the jews as a competing creation narrative versus the babylonian narrative which is a very violent death of the serpent goddess tiamat and the stars being made by her flesh being ripped out of her body and thrown into the heavens like they we're building their faith, and a lot of the early parts of the Bible are not just allegory. They're they're straight-up poetry. They're not—and so I listened to an episode while we were driving back about Ecclesiastes, and I had Ooh. zero frame of reference for Ecclesiastes, and Kohelet is the pseudonym 
character in Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes is a super fucking depressing book. It's just this guy saying, life is pointless. What's the point of the covenant? God is mocking us. Nothing matters. You die. And being of the Jewish tradition, he's like, we don't know what happens. Nobody knows what happens after you die. Your like, body goes and into the ground and your soul goes and rests somewhere, but we don't know what that's like. So why struggle? Why do we keep putting ourselves through all this bullshit? What is the point of any of this? And the narrator voice who sets it up at the beginning and talks again at the end that is not the voice of Kohelet, but just kind of frames it for context, doesn't try and soothe it or remedy it or say, but Kohelet didn't have enough faith or Kohelet was a bad person. It's just like, these were the words of Kohelet. Listen to them and keep the covenant. It's like, this is all you can do. So just get over yourself. Life's shitty. Deal with it. And so it was written by a junior in high school. Pretty much. It has that sort of angsty, existential dread thing that used to just wreck me. But now, like, you know, this summer, some people I knew died and... Last week, my father had a pretty massive stroke while I was on the phone with him. He's doing fine. You already know all about all of this. Um, You're telling the audience. I'm telling the audience. My dad had a stroke. Send me a text and go, oh, my God, how are you doing? How's your dad? I need more of those. And Dan's number is... I don't think I sent you like that kind of text. I think it was like, just let me know if you need anything. Bro. <laughs> You're like, well, I'm not I'm not a cardiovascular surgeon. I'm not sure how I could help in this situation. Um but I'm painfully aware of that. I you know, there's a lot of stuff going on with my dad right now and diet things and lifestyle stuff that needs to change. But I'm I can't control any of it. I can't change what he's actually going to do. I can't change who dies. I can't change the outcome of most things. Most of my life is going to be spent working. Um, Hopefully I find happiness along the way. If I had read this eight years ago, it would have reinforced a really bad place that I was at. And now, you know, just this deep dive into Ecclesiastes was beautiful. I was like, oh, people have been struggling with this for eons. It's great. We're all struggling with this, which makes it fine life is a struggle i get it now and i was like damn hell it's my boy and it just really struck me and um i think i'm gonna i'm gonna rewrite um or expand this at some point to try and do like my homage to the ecclesiastes and try to hit more of the points he talks about but i don't know it just it really struck me as something as like beautiful and timely um, and not in a like creepy religious way of like I read this part of the Bible, so then I wrote a poem about it. It's just that's like, how it felt. I'm sure that's it, how it felt. It felt like I was hitting you over the head with my religion that my I'm dude, clinging to I along just, with my guns. I just know. Mm-hmm. So now to talk about abortion, I think. <laughs> stop! Just stop now. <laughs> Uh, We've already gotten so many emails. So many emails. Why all the abortion talk? It's a writing podcast. And sort of. In sort theory. Of. In theory. It's a I writing and I think that should be, that should be our, our like little... A writing um, podcast. Our slogan. In theory. <laughs> in theory. 
Well, when somebody does a, a redesigned logo for us for our two-year anniversary, maybe. When our two-year anniversary is coming up, we we were a false start, weren't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I maybe someone could <clears throat> redo our logo and 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 have that be our our little slogan, maybe. Mm-hmm. All righty. Uh, yeah, maybe uh, movies and writing in theory or something like that, right? Here, I'm gonna sit, find out exactly when our first episode went up. Give me two seconds. Do it, and and we'll edit for it, so it'll sound like you just knew it. I knew it off the top of, the top of my head. I'm I'm brilliant. I use that time to drink some, some tea. September 29th. September Chapter 29th. Chapter one. Poor Cameron. Two. Oh yeah, we started with poor Cameron. Yep. Hmm. That was good times. Uh, chapter 20, T. Swints. <laughs> oh, yeah. Talking about Tilda Swinton. Yeah, I think I'll, um, I think as a game for our two-year anniversary, we should read all of the chapter titles and see if we can remember what they were about. Well, here, quiz me on two, and I'll quiz you on two now, and we'll see if, uh, if this game would actually, if it would jive at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, chapter seven. Poetry, droids, and holiday detergent. Uh, that was uh, when we were discuss we discussed Star Wars. I'm pretty sure, but then we also it was still when we were maintaining that we were a a uh, writing podcast fully, and so we discussed Star Wars, but also we were we were writing poetry. Mm-hmm. Sounds about right. I mean, it's kind of lined out for me there. Uh, I think we also discussed that we were going to have a holiday episode. Uh, I've also got uh, chapter nine, cable knit social justice warriors. Um, that was actually because you had that Hemingway sweater. That's true. And it was the Hemingway sweater, and we were discussing all of the. I think it was. Was it the Me Too movement, or was it just? No, this would have been. This is February two thousand seventeen, so that would have been before that. It was. I don't know. Um, well, I did read my Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt spec for the first time on there. Um, yeah, but there were there had been something in the news that we were specifically talking about. Yeah. But, oh, well, I failed that one. All right, my turn. Okay. Okay, hold on. Ooh. How about Good Grief, Chapter 34? Oh, that was sounds like a death one. That yeah? Yeah. Was- probably us talking about um i'm going to guess uh the loss of some furry loved ones and how uh pain and sorrow influences writing god it's like you can read this right now i mean i could let me click on it no back to writing yeah it was a writing pod Personal loss and what to do, what it does to your writing, inspiration, motivation, personal reflection, and the highs and lows that come with grief field prose and poems. This episode also features a preview of coming episodes. Oh, yeah, that was. God, who writes this garbage? That would be you. Yeah, I know. Okay, chapter 24 Make the Americans Great Again. <laughs> That's a good title. <laughs> That's a really good title. Hey, I made that title. Yeah, that's um, uh, before be, you took over. <laughs> I was gonna say we must be talking about TV. Um, um 
Emmy stuff? Yes, it was a it was a uh, uh, your hosts get together to tell the TV industry how much praise is appropriate for the crown to receive. That's right. In the spirit of the Academy Awards episode of Darren Dan, take aim at the 69th and uh, the 69th Emmy Awards, which is Sunday, to tell you who should win and more importantly or who will win and more importantly who should win join us and be disappointed when mad men somehow wins again dude we have to do the emmys soon we do we have, have to emmys? do the emmys oh my gosh i i think my favorite title was recreational voodoo which is the episode before that <laughs> that's a that's a pretty solid um <laughs> recreational voodoo literally oh, and it, what's great is it has nothing to do with either of the episodes it was dan and adair have something in common they both moved coming to you from two new cities with hurricanes lake bumming script readings and fresh starts for all sounds about right you know the emmys are on uh september 17th mm-hmm. so let me just pull up my handy dandy calendarno are you ready to lose uh, probably. Like, at a certain point, like, is it fun to go against me anymore? Because I've won every single time. Well, to me, it's not about winning. It's just about, you know, celebrating the fact that I have another friend who gives a shit about this stuff and likes to that's have true. fun. I mean, but for if me, it's it is just, 100% if it's just about, about winning for you, that's fine. I understand that your motivations are petty and I actually value our friendship, but it's okay. I'm the youngest in my family. <laughs> oh, honey, it's very evident. Oh, and then Yom Kippur's right after that. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> oh, um, goodness. We have plans. We have plans. Wait, what the hell? They're doing the Emmys on a Monday? What? Yeah, September 17th is a Monday. That's stupid. That is really stupid. Mm. Who do they think is going to watch it? Moms? Us. True. Um. Yeah, damn. I'm thinking... Weekend before. Yeah, we'll do our we'll do our analysis. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Yeah. I believe in us. Yeah, so this we'll have this episode out, and then we can probably squeeze in another movie review, and then or or just jump straight to the Emmys. I I mean, let's give the people what they want. They want another episode. We we've we've left them high and dry for so many weeks. You're Italian. We took August off. That's what Italy does. It's a siesta. It's just a giant month siesta. That's Spanish. Don't culturally appropriate. They take siestas in Italy. What do they call them siestas? I think so actually. When I was in Florence they uh, I believe so. Hmm. Me. All right. Well, uh you heard it here first folks. We're going to do the Emmys again whether you fucking like it or not. I had to get a fucking in there to keep our explicit rating. Okay. God damn it. How do you spell God damn it for you? Like, I mean, I don't think there's like a wrong way necessarily, but I spell it a certain way and then someone else I saw uh, spelled it a different way. So I'm curious how you spell it. Um, I either write it as one whole word mm-hmm. where it's lowercase G-O-D-D-A-M-N-I-T or... I write God, all caps, to make sure that it's blasphemous, and then damn it as one word. Interesting. Mm-hmm. How do you do it? I do... Sorry, now I have to like... It's like I can't see it right now, so I have to think about it. I do uppercase G, and then all one word, O-D-A... 
O-D-D-A-M-N-I-T. But I know someone else who does lowercase G-O-D-D-A-M-M-I-T. God damn it. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think there's no wrong way to swear. No, I think... There's no wrong way to swear, Dan. That's that's the title of our our podcast. It took us the whole episode. There's no wrong way to swear. I agree. I agree. There you go. Well, Dan, it has been a pleasure. I I, I love talking about writing, sort (laughs) of, with you. Uh, and I'm excited that we're going on two years doing some version, some iteration of this. Yeah, we're still finding ourselves, you know. We'll, uh, I mean, that's writing. Writing, everything is writing. Everything and is writing. We are progressing. I think and I'm going to get that tattooed somewhere on my body. Yeah, I've been trying to decide. I, I want to get tattoos for my different collaborating partners. Yeah. That was why I was like, hey, what's your favorite word? Oh, what did I tell you? Leviathan-esque? That's one of my favorites. Uh, I think you just said Leviathan. Leviathan. I do love the word Leviathan. I also uh, really like the word asinine. (laughs) It's fun to say. I don't think I want asinine tattooed onto me. Mm, That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, my favorite word is probably Leviathan. Yeah. I have to, like, figure out something because I want to do something for, like, you and Maya and other people. Guys, it's next year at movies. Maybe. No, he gets, he gets a, a different one. He gets a different one. It'll be a tattoo right here. No, it'd be right here. Hot. She's pointing at her nose, guys. It's weird. <laughs> it's a very weird choice on my part, but I mean, nothing I do is normal. Nose tats. That's out Tysoning Tyson. <laughs> it's true. I'm just want. I'm just gonna have a little red dot, so it looks like I'm constantly breaking out. <laughs> I just want to make my plate harder. Good night. Keep writing. A Secret Weapon Production.